<laughs> yeah. Dennis. Yeah. How you doing, my friend? Oh, better now. Better, Another hour of better happy. now. Better now with a belly laugh. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. So yes, I, yes, yes, yes. I think so I think today day. I think today I want to lean to you to day. to shed some light on your week, but later you can tell us about that. I'm, I'll think about it. I'll just have to square it up. All right. My day. You give us the square root later. What are you gonna say about COVID? Well, here we are. Here we are. What's to say? Still breathing. Trump talked about flu again. There are thirty-five thousand. There could be a hundred. Could be a hundred. Well, he didn't talk about and, flu again. It's in the news that he was calling it the flu, right? No, it was the speech he gave in North Carolina. Oh fuck! Really? He talked about the flu again and said that thirty-five thousand people die every year from the flu. Who knew that? <laughs> everybody but you apparently <laughs> and he said it could be as low as 27 it could be as high as 100 and as far as COVID-19 goes there may have been none yeah I... and it's the day that the Woodward book here did you I've, I've heard these? about this yes oh my god so people are saying like I've said so many times before this is it you never get away with this mm-hmm. we'll see my favorite news from this week was favorite is that like Trump is always saying I could shoot someone in Fifth Avenue and get away with it and nothing would happen to me. And at this point, it's pretty much true because this week he went and stepped on and jumped around on what I would call the third rail of politics, which is shitting on the military. Right. He is quoted with multiple sources of saying that. And and I totally believe that he thinks this way. Why would I risk my life for my country? What sort of idiot would do that? What a loser. Like, you you deserve to die if you're that stupid loser and he and the thing is that people are saying is it's not that it's not that it's not anything other than he can't understand it it's not that he doesn't believe it it's not that he's against it it's just that he can't understand it he it makes no sense to him and, why would you risk your life for anyone other than yourself my god it's yeah, like, right like you might about someone what so the then the woodward uh, book comes out and it talks about black lives matter where Woodward says, those of us who are white privileged men, we've got to walk out of the cave we've lived in all of our life and understand in a way we never had before the pain and the grief of what it means to be black in America. Amen. And we have to really work at that. And Trump it's not interrupts him and says, he says, oh, wow, you really drank the Kool-Aid. No, I don't. I don't feel that way at all. <laughs> right. That would require effort. And what's that? What's that word again? Empathy. That that is the defining word of our president is the no one that I've ever met has zero empathy. Like they say that's what psychopathy is and and serial killers and what. And they they just pretend to to they learn when they're young to act as if they have empathy, but they really don't. How to mimic it. But holy crap, Trump, you never even learned that. It's like there's just zero, zero, zero point zero, 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 zero empathy. It's just uh, he's the shallowest man alive man anybody has ever known of this morning he uh, is and, the shallowest person anybody has ever known of. yes yes not not just in power no i don't mean just the people in power in every human ever could live life yes yes and so this morning this is how fucking shallow and what a little baby child he is this morning in september 2020 he tweeted obama really had it easy going up against a loser like Mitt Romney who doesn't know anything about politics or anything. Obama's lucky he didn't have to go against someone that knew how to win. 
It's like, what are you fucking? That's eight years ago. You're so jealous of your predecessor that you're talking about eight years ago because you're thinking about what it means the last time someone won re-election. That you're thinking, oh, is that a compliment to Joe Biden that he's worried about this? It right. sounds like it's like what's a child infant? Is a great. There's a great article in The Guardian today that, like a lot of the Lincoln Project's commercials, is probably written for an audience of one, and everybody else can just enjoy and observe it. But what he said was, he quoted asshole orange man going on the fucking attack on Obama, and facted up, gave the facts, and, for example, said once that nobody, nobody has more followers on Twitter than me. And that's not true, of course. Of course it is. He's got a lot, but there's many that, that are more. And he said, and I'm the... I'm the number one this or that in this. And the fact is, this is the point, is that he's at 35 million and Obama's at like 120 million. Of followers. And yeah. Of followers, yes. Sure. And the the back and forth about Obama happens in this article three times. <laughs> that actually, that's not true. Obama, the facts are Obama was much higher, was much better, was played it's less. Insecurity. It's dude. Yes. And, but he's, he's, he's a mental case. And so this is the biggest test of our democracy since the Civil War. And once again, we're facing a similar foe in that it's a Confederate general. It's a Confederate general. He's, you, I'll bet you he's got fucking underwear that's got the fucking Confederate flag on it. Okay, so the Civil War, here I go, <laughs> briefly glancing at the third rail. The, the Civil War, like the, the South was fighting for their way of life that had been super comfortable because they didn't have to do any manual labor because they had slaves. Not exactly true, but close enough. And the and they were upset because the North wanted to prohibit that structure, yeah, who are you to that tell economic us structure. And it yes, was a... We're independent. Right. And, and we can do whatever we want. And that... There are no parallels. I don't see the parallels between that and now. What I see now is that Yes, the a lot of the Trump supporters are racist, and yes, if there was a referendum of can we put all the black people back in chains, a lot of them would vote yes. But this isn't this is so much further removed. It this, feels this is well. So my point is this: in the first instance, number one, the life of a slave was only worth a certain amount of money, and it wasn't very much. And now, this Confederacy, the the New Age Confederacy, the Trump Confederacy, is saying so. You know what? People die. People who live in those democratic cities die because they're just violent places to live. They shouldn't live there. And it's the same equivalency of saying back in the days of slavery, they very well have said, no, you don't understand. Black lives don't matter. Not that much. Some, it all depends. And that's what uh, Trump is professing. So there's a commonality of some principles, not to the nth degree, but certainly enough that it's the similar sense of attitude of independence. And you can't tell me. And it's just also this gullibility uh, proxy for uneducated. And so there are these parallels. The magnitude of it, certainly not so much, because that's a, that is the event in American history that more defined us as a country. This is more about not letting that happen again through yeah, but- the electoral process and avoiding a war. Trump is fomenting an armed uprising of the Confederate. That's but, what he's but that's of the what Confederate he's doing. that okay his Confederacy. Okay, walk me through this. Say his Confederacy has an armed uprising and they win. What does America look like? I don't Trump gets another term. Okay. And he gets richer and because he's president he's able, for life. Which if again war, I, I so doubt but they wouldn't win. They we, can't win. We have conflicting reports. 
that some people close to him, like Michael Cohen I read today, says that Trump is not kidding when he's talking about having more than two terms. And, and But then other people who I guess are just observing as I am from the outside, it really looks like he doesn't want to be president and he never wanted to. And it just happened to make his name big. But if you never wanted that right. job and it feels like work and you can't really have rallies anymore and the crooked media hates you, why do you want that? Why do you want that for yourself? Does it? That's why he did the Woodward interview. Yeah. Okay. Feels- okay. That's my point though. You, you can't hold those two conflicting views in your head of he doesn't want to be president. And also he wants to be president for life. It's like that. It's, there's- it's, it's no, no, it's it, 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 it's his mind. And it, he can hold conflicting you know, views. A plan A or a plan B or a, this option or that option. But he's, I don't want to be president. I just want to start my own party, run my own television uh, network. That's, that's what he wants. He wants, he wants viewers. And that's what I'm going to try for. Now, look, if as that happens, this violence that I fomented, if that, if that happens to turn it into a violent thing where there's guns and gunshots and they'd actually take over, well, if QAnon is involved, which they would have to be because they got to pull all those uh, those right wing numbers together. So what QAnon wants is to me to be the is they think I'm the Messiah. So that's not all bad. I don't know if that'll happen any more than I thought I'd ever be fucking president. I never. I know all I wanted to do was fucking be the most famous brand name in the yeah, world. Put my name on and jet. go international based yeah. on and get the Moscow Tower finally funded with the oligarchs gave money. The thing is that this. We, th- those of us who follow this incessantly, almost obsessively, know that the facts will show, without a doubt, that the oligarchs, with Putin's encouragement and/or permission, bailed Trump out of the sale of his property down in Florida for a cool extra five hundred million more than it was worth. Sure. And there was uh, incriminating tapes of a sexual nature in a hotel that he frequented where there are eyewitnesses that say they saw him in Moscow hotels with whores. So these two things are there, and in his taxes he lied. And so he knows this. So when you know that he knows that we know and that soon the whole world will know, what do you think he's doing? He's trying to get this cult following as a moneymaker while he's fighting the possibility of criminal activity, which he has now extended into some upteen number of court cases where he's suing for invalid mail-in voting for this, that, and the other. He's already taken to the courts. He's going to file 50 lawsuits so that at least the question of his presidency is working its way through the courts, notwithstanding the fact that on January 20th, he's done, no matter what. Hmm. But his standing in court is going to be, well... It's going to take 20 years. There's enough we don't know. So you can't indict a president... Okay, but how do you square that circle of he doesn't want to be president, but some people say he wants to be president for life? One of those he's, is false. He's, it's a contradiction. No, that's not necessarily true. It's a contradiction. And so what? You can't imagine Donald Trump having contradictory ideas and emotions? No, I Jesus can imagine Christ, him having that. Fucking, he's a mental health. He's a mental health case. Yeah, he's he's got all sorts of that. He's 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 probably thinking one thing one minute, one thing the next minute. And sometimes he's on this track, and sometimes he's on another track. He doesn't he doesn't sleep well. He doesn't eat well. His brain doesn't get a lot of oxygen. He is not a smart man. He does not have. He's an idiot savant. That if is he's true. anything. Yes. If it's anything, and it's about the and, and it's an idiot savant. What can he do? He can uh, command a loyalty. Entertain of thirty-two five percent yep. of the American people. That's his idiot savant. Which like 
I said a couple episodes ago that those are because you were saying, oh, it'll be a dynasty, and once he's a dictator, he will have his kids uh, come in. But I don't think there's anyone else like him that I'm sure statistically there will be someone somewhere. But his particular combination of being a total dolt and uncaring of what you know capital T truth is and just being able to please people in a way like he has so much charisma and that's all he has he has a charisma which is only attractive to a minority of the people but his charisma okay that's not entirely true the he, undivided attention of the journalist he's entertaining the journalists in the world he's entertaining he, to, yes, to us yes. we watch him and we are like, wow, look at this guy. What a buffoon. What and right. then we tune in the next day and we watch him again and we say the same thing. Right. And he's perfectly calibrated to get those viewer numbers that are his most important metric because he will right. say the most outrageous things that please 30% of us and outrage the other 70% of us and uh, can't look away. Uh, 30, at least outrage another 35%. Right, right. But no, We're hoping. none of us We're can look away. 45. None of us can look away. It's just... It's just you're watching a, a train wreck. We're all rubbernecking at the accident on the side of the road. It's Did just... you see the cartoons I sent you with Trump in wild, flaming cartoon art as Hannibal Lectern and being wheeled out on a fucking dolly? I think so, yeah. Standing up with a mask on with his orange hair like on fire out of the top of his helmet. And he's being introduced as, as the president of the United States. And everybody in the fucking place is running away. Because they're so scared. That is exactly oh, how yeah. we feel. That is how we feel as woke liberal folk. Yeah. Uh, how many times have you seen Silence of the Lambs? So, Dennis, let's change the subject. This is uh, boring and repetitive. Oh man, talk about talk about boring and repetitive. I am so I'm so fucking tired of talking to everyone I meet on the street about fucking COVID. It's that's all anyone wants to talk about. It's you know I heard there were so many new cases over here and there were this many cases over there and what do you think about the future and what and it's just the same conversation over and over and over and over again, and I I just get so bored. But anyway, Dennis, that you can get out and get around and talk to people. Tell me about your projects this week. Oh my God! What have you been doing? I would like you to shed some light on your projects. project of the week of the month is the lean-to shed a shed connected affixed to my hold on hold on Stop. existing define lean-to lean-to simply means that it is affixed to the side of it so under the gable of the sloped roof of my garage i'm putting another roof and that roof is the roof of a shed and in order to lay that roof the first thing i do is i put in a manner of speaking the first major construction piece i do is i nail a header to the building. It's a big two by 12 with big giant fucking spiky drill and nails that drill into the existing studs of the garage. That header then accepts the weight of the rafters of the shed. And so it is in fact leaning on the existing structure using the existing structures outside wall as its inside wall. Since it's affixed to a building that's much bigger and very strong, you start out with a very sturdy foundation. So the big one of the big challenges is with the, the pictures I sent you was how do you square your shed to the building? Okay, wait, let's stop here. Because the so lean to means that you're using what was an external wall as one of the four walls of a new structure. Yes. 
the main wall and the first wall because it's already there. Right. Now you have to strip it of its shingles, which I took off, uh, wooden pine shingles that were put on in 1910 or so. And they've been preserved and uh, saved most of them and stacked them and took the nails out of them and set them aside. And then with the shingles off all the way to the bare wood, I put some bug spray on it and then put some tar paper on it and then had to put three pieces of plywood on it. These plywood are five, uh, four uh, feet by eight feet, one half inch. Easy enough to pick up, not so easy to maneuver on a ladder. Okay, so that, wait, so this was an external wall and you're turning it into an internal wall, correct? Correct. And the rule is, and you're, are you putting a doorway in it? Walls have to have plywood. No, I'm actually not because the. You're the, just using it as a original, load bearing. No, not because of that so much. The, the original building already has two entrances. It has, a, it has an entrance on the same side as the lean-to shed in the back, and it also has an entrance in the front. We don't need another entrance. And entrances, by the way, take up a tremendous amount of, of square feet for storage and shelving, and it's a big space. Right. And it's got to be open, and you got to have you can't trip on stuff on the side of it. Wait, is, is your so new structure? You had the main wall, and you're building three other walls on it, or just two others? Three. Okay, so there will be a doorway within those three walls to get to the new area. So here's an interesting thing that I had to figure out and just tell me if your eyes glaze over. But imagine that the the height of the gable in my existing roof. Hold on. I need need a definition. Uh, Gable? It's uh, Look at a gable. It's a peaked triangle-looking thing. A gable, part of a wall that that encloses the end of a pitched roof. Okay. So the pitch of of a roof is is the slope. And it's defined as a drop, inch drop per foot. So you're, if you've got a 112 slope, that means that every 12 inches, the slope of the roof is lower one inch. 312 is three inches, a four slash 12 yep. as far as you said. So algebra, yep. there's code, uh, a construction code, and a construction code for a carport with a shingle roof is it has to be 412. That's a pretty steep peak. It you're is. putting your hands together like kids do to show a house Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, here's all the people, that kind of thing. Yes. That pitch that you're showing there is a typical pitch, and it's 412. Okay. So if you increase that pitch, right, or decrease the pitch, stop there. If you decrease the, the pitch, is, you talk a lot lower like this, especially in podcasting. <laughs> but anyway, continue. Here's the thing. You're decreasing the volume, not the pitch. You have to talk really low like this to decrease the pitch. Or you can not really like this if it's a really high pitch. Anyway, continue. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> like a fastball yeah, pitch. Yeah, it was like, whoa. I, whoa. I, and, well, and the players are taking the pitch right from... now. <laughs> okay. So when you, put a, when you put a roof underneath the other roof, if you keep the same pitch, the same angle, you can imagine that before too long, your roof, if you keep extending it down toward the ground, at some point hits the ground. That isn't going to give you much room. It's going to give you like only five feet because it hits the ground so quick. Indeed, you yes. got to put a pole there to hold the roof up. Not a pole. So that means you change the pitch. You lower the pitch. So instead of a 412, I'm doing a 112. Oh, so yeah. So it goes like a steep pitch, and then I go to, which means that at the back end of that uh, 10-foot wall, I have a post, and that's a corner post. Obviously, it's got four. Clearly, four everyone listening has, is visualizing this perfectly, like I am. Must be. I can see it. The code is that from the floor to the top of the wall of that back wall, where your slope ends, 
if you're going to put a door there, you have to have six foot eight inches underneath the two by 12, which means that it's a seven foot eight wall. As a six foot and person, put a, I, I, I very much agree with this code. And that means that pitch on the roof is almost flat. Whoa. It's almost no pitch at all. It's almost flat. Water and snow is the big one. Melting snow will fall off the garage roof, slide down, and instead of sliding off the tin roof that I'm putting on, it'll stay there. But here's the thing about tin, that it is so slippery. It's so absorbent to heat, particularly when you use galvanized or white, and I'm using galvanized, that it grabs the heat, that the pitch that you need for most snow is only 212. Mine is a little bit less than that. And, but I'm building it quite structurally sound. So, so on, I, I have a question. I, out because... I have a question. So your roof is, is metal, right? And it's at such a low pitch, a low angle, that the snow is going to just sit there. It's going to slide. On my roof or a hypothetical roof? A flat roof, it'll sit there. Okay. No, Anything I was concerned else... that, it, that, it wasn't fl- that it was too flat, that it was going to be a That's... problem. And no, I thought no, maybe no. you could heat up the room or something to heat up the metal, and then the snow would, like, uh, glide off on a layer of well, water. Yeah. And in fact, there might be, there certainly will be a heat source in there when I'm working out there, without a doubt. Although it's a gardening shed, so I'm not much in there. In the winter, it not only has it got all my gardening, my pots and garden equipment and tools and, and planting gear and big cases to hold dirt and all yeah. that stuff. But what happens in the winter is that I also move all the lawn furniture in there uh, and close it up. Right. Because it's closed. It's winter and I'm not gardening. And my main uh, a one-car garage, which I call a shed as well. It's a big one-car shed. It's actually got a pretty steep steep pitch, so I was able to put lofts, two different lofts in there that are over eight feet uh, off the floor, two feet above your head, and uh, expanse of four feet. That's a lot of shelf space, 18-foot wide. Because I have never really lived in a snowy landscape, and i know that at least one of our listeners lives above the arctic circle and he knows all about that lifestyle it's it never occurred to me in planning not that i do a lot of planning of construction that snow sliding off your roof was such an important thing Um, because like here in spain all of our roofs are terracotta this red stuff Over, that I overlapping that I, terracotta tile, clay yes. baked, which I guess has. I'm never really sure why different countries do different do things differently when it comes to windows or whatever, but so here I guess maybe that. I guess red is going no. See, it's the wrong color. That because it's orange. But if you wanted something to ref, to be cooler in a lot of sun, you would make it bluer because. The blue light has more energy than the red light. But you make it white, actually. White, sure, answer. but yeah, white is more correct. But red is going to be absorbing all of the high energy toward, light. Right. Red's uh, moving toward black and reflecting. Without a doubt, light blue is moving toward white. But in fact, the yeah, there, there was galvanized some... and the white are both that are both superb for that. I read some article in the past few years of about why barns are painted red, huh. and it was one of these cool. Oh, it turns out that this is why. And I've since forgotten the reason, but it's related to... <laughs> if it's a quiz, I fail. And 
And, and so, so do I. I'll, so does the well, quizmaster. Well, I have to put it in the show notes. Exactly. But <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's about how some sort of like oxidation happens, and it was uh, easier to find red as a color than anything uh, else. But anyway, uh, that may or may not be in the show notes, depending on how energetic I feel when I edit this episode. But so, are you, how long until you're done with this project? Oh my God, there's no telling. Done the with first the four hours I spent was to rip off the tiles, spray it, bug spray, put on the tar paper, and, and single handedly, I must say, using fulcrums on two by fours and bricks uh, to hold the, the, the sheet plywood up against the wall. I got it affixed and decent job. And then today was to lay out the foundation of cinder blocks, two different styles, which is into some real interesting detail that I'll bet you've never heard of before. But the, the bottom line is that to lay the cinder blocks out, you've got to be square to the building. Yes. Otherwise, your one wall is going to be 120 inches and your other one's going to be 118, and then suddenly your building is crooked. Now, there's a certain r- uh, level of acceptability with crookedness. You're down to a quarter inch or half. Tell that to the president, am I right? <laughs> when you look at it 12 and 20 feet and this and that. And the, the problem is, of course, that the original building, which was built in 1930, is not square itself. It actually fell off its foundation at one point, and so was crooked. And so one of my earliest repairs was to shore up the existing building so it couldn't shift anymore. And what had happened was that it spread a part of the bottom and it broke the, a couple of support rafters, which I reattached. So I made it strong as, as new, but it's not square. So I got to put a square building onto a building that's not squared as much possible. It's got to be square to the building. So right. the trick that I learned was you can imagine uh, if you're drawing on a piece of paper and you want to make a, a perfect a triangle, you'll take out your little triangle piece that you have, your little square and you'll trace it on your paper. They make those, of course, for carpentry, handheld that are right. 12 by 12, and they go as big as 3 by 2. And longer, I've seen them. I've seen them quite big. But this trick is to use a piece of plywood yes. and cut the plywood into a square, and then use that because it gives you the distance you need for such a big thing as a building. And so today it took me from... I did some other stuff, but it was a good six hours today to get that square enough to call it good and all the bricks put in the position the big cinder blocks which Uh are heavier than shit 16 inches by 8 inches very heavy right to put them all in exactly where they're going to go so i've never seen anything so heavy these are the heaviest cinder blocks ever like what was the thing what soup cans he was talking about anyway (laughs) sorry anyway the heaviest thing last episode yeah we talked about anyway i I agreed (laughs) with they're an excellent projectile But the last bit of Brick, because bricks are too do, heavy to throw was his point. But these cinder well, blocks are harder. To, they're harder to hold right. than a soup can. That's for sure. <laughs> but I had to add a space between each of the cinder blocks, three eighths of an inch wide or so, because that's the width of the concrete I'm going to put in there to glue them together, huh. to hold them together, and still be square to the building and square at the corners, and then the cinder blocks up the middle to hold up my floorboards had to be square. I must have measured 75, 80 times, maybe even 100 times today, again and again, and finally got it pretty damn square and pretty damn straight to the building, which is so fucking weird, because when they laid the concrete pad down, that is what I'm building the shed on, which is lucky for me. It's a really good foundation. Right. It's a big 7-inch, 8-inch concrete slab. They laid it square to the back fence. So there's lines in the concrete every eight feet right? because they make concrete squares. The building isn't lined up with the fence behind the house. It's a jumbo. 
by a good three feet. The back end is three feet back. It's crooked. My shit to jump over. Fence. Yeah. Because it's a shared driveway, in each house, ours right next to each other, we share one very wide driveway. Then they branch out. So in order to branch out, so you could drive your car in there, they were uh, positioned to be able to take a slight right and drive into, and therefore they were crooked to the back line. So the juxtaposition of the squares of the concrete and the corners of the posts make it look, in fact, like it's crooked. And it's not crooked. It's not crooked at all to the house. Because you measured 100 times. Sorry, to the garage. But it's not square to the house. Like I always say, So it's measure 100 times, cut once. <laughs> we joked about that today. Uh, the other thing I had to do was I, I, put it, I stuck a, a, a big pole in one of know? the cinder blocks where, yes, I did, where I thought the, the end where the wall would be, where the corner post would be. And then I measured from the pitched, the high pitch of the roof to the low pitch. Because if you're going, if you're going horizontal to the building or ver- vertical to the building, which is horizontal, if you're measuring, if you're measuring horizontal <laughs> to the building, 10 foot, you mark your post 10 feet, but it's a rafter with a pitch. So when you turn that board up, it moves further away from the building. Because it, in fact, picture a board nailed with a screw on a post that moves up and down. And the higher you go to the roof, you know what that, what, what, if you've got a protractor and you set your protractor and it's got a pencil in the end of it and a point in it, and when you swoop that protractor so that you keep a straight, you keep it exactly the same distance. Yeah, it's got a compass. Picture a line over there to the left of the bottom of it. And as you move up that, you're moving further away from the vertical line. Uh-huh. So the mistake you don't want to make is to say, I've got, it's a 10 foot, if the wall's 10 feet away from the barn. Okay. Yeah. But that means you have to have an 11 foot hunk of wood to connect the post to the other post. Okay. Considering pitch. So that made me move my whole wall up a half a block, which is eight inches, so that I didn't have to cut all the two by fours because they come in 10 foot lengths. And I don't want to cut all those two by fours. So I made it nine six. So no. That's what I did all fucking day. So does it sound like fun? My this back is, is this is screaming at me. The worst audio content ever. I can imagine uh, of someone talking about people. I thought people would write us and say measuring. Oh man, send me the plans, man. Yeah. Show pictures. So can I share some of the pictures that you sent? Oh yeah. For yeah. some reason, you sent me eight megabyte JPEGs, which is just freaking huge. I, I thought there. I thought there was a problem. There. Yeah. That's. That's. I guess it's your a picture. Yeah, it's a picture, but it's freaking huge. Anyway, we I can compress those down for our listener that decides to go to happyhour.fm slash zero seven five to look at the show notes. Seven five. We're three fourths of the way to a hundred. That'll be a celebration. In the day. Because you know how optimistic I was. I started numbering these things at zero zero one. Why would I do that? Because I knew that because we were going to get to three digits. We're not going to yes, get to a thousand. We're not going to get to a thousand. But I knew that we were going to get to a hundred. How long would that take? How long would that take? That take three years. Thousand. No. We do no, this once a week. If we did it every day. Yes. <laughs> Thank God we don't do this every day. <laughs> no. A thousand divided well, by fifty-two. Do it every day. There's no. <laughs> is nineteen years. So okay, I feel pretty no. comfortable with our. A numbering scheme starting with that are three digits. I think if that becomes a problem, fuck it, we won. I don't know what right. we won. Well, I'll be eighty six. I'll be eighty six by then. 
What you do? I, it's just another day in COVID. Jesus, if we're still in COVID in 19 fucking years, what a disaster. So today, my school, my kid's school, had, like at the beginning of every school year, we have these meetings where you go in and all of one particular class really is the way it's normally done. It's divided by class at a particular time. You go and you meet the teacher and you talk about the school year and blah, blah, blah. And so this year, the principal organized three different times today when we could have video conferences with the with parents and the teachers. And I attended the first one, which was when the teachers were, were still at school. Like, I think the other two, the teachers weren't present. And it was such a disaster of, because there were like, 30 people on the call or whatever and um, someone didn't have their mic muted and it was just okay. pure noise and the principal was like why would they do that the principal why was, was shouting hey somebody had to, everybody mute your mic everybody mute your mic and it was just uh, the first 15 minutes of it was just figuring out yeah. who was making all the fucking noise so that we could talk and then the next part of it was let's go around and introduce all of the teachers for all of the grades in the school and so then they would say okay Pablo are you here Turn on your mic. Turn on your video so you can say hi. No, your video. No, your video. And then Pablo would come on and he'd be like, uh, hi, I'm teaching second grade or whatever. And that was all that he was supposed to say. And then they would go over to the next one. And the next teacher also wasn't prepared and didn't have their, didn't, didn't like, it took four minutes for them to be able to broadcast anything. And it was just, it was such a nightmare. I spent the whole time with my hand on my forehead. And then they talked about all the COVID, uh, protocols that they were implementing and how they were trying to make everything as safe as possible and it all sounded great like they it all made sense but i've also but and they said and when the kids go out to recess out into the open area they're told to 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 stay far apart and stuff but like i've observed the kids out at recess because the school is next to my house and they're just all hugging each other and punching and fighting and you know or at least the boys are and there's just no it's it just it, it can't you can't control children with with rules like this you can't you, particularly children that that have never been regimented other right. than yes exactly. certain prescription prescribed times of the day but otherwise were fully encouraged to run and to shout and to play and to hug and to and none of that and that's the that's why it's so lovely right. to be and, a child because that's that's what you do and so it's a ridiculous of course to send them to school. And some kids naturally obey authority, like I think mine generally do, but other kids don't. Other kids, when I'm around other kids and their parents tell them, hey, Johnny, stop doing that, and the kid goes directly to do that one thing, and whereas my kids generally don't. But it's just, you can't, like kids are kids, and great that they're kids, but now is a time where we need uh, tightly regimented uh, set so, of behaviors and when did they give you shit about not sending your kids to school before this no they haven't yet we're still in the first week of school and oh, I see. but we when when the principal finished and said are there any questions possibly ill-advisedly i i i said i've got a question how many uh, what percentage of kids aren't going because their parents don't want their kids to go and the answer i got back was uh very few. There's three or four families that are doing this out of a school of 500 kids, we'll say, which 
maybe that's true. Like uh, they didn't really have the numbers to, to to quote to me. But but man, like every day there's a new case of a new case in a in a nearby school. Hear the bulldozer? Is that, that the old bulldozer from? Are they still working on your street? Oh my no. God! Yes. Still? Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's, it's a loud some bitch. Yeah. Right. They, well, it's, it's 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 gonna it's gonna get it's gonna get so much worse. And here's so here's a question that you might have asked. We're all aware. I'm sure you are of the data that shows what typically happens in groupings of any kind and what might happen. And so do you expect that no children will get sick? And the only answer they can say is we don't know for sure, but no, we don't. No, we don't think that none of them will. Okay, very good. So second question is, so what percentage of children getting sick seems to be like too much low or acceptable to you because if you know that some kids are getting sick then what kind of data are you looking at are you thinking that if only six percent of the kids get sick which would be six percent would be like 15 right 20 kids is that acceptable, acceptable? no I, we don't we're not we can't predict the future and we don't know and say, exactly no, this isn't that it's what's the science is i have the data right here and it says that it's fair to say that it's 15 percent therefore we're looking at 19 or whatever. And, sure, sure. And oh, so second question. So of every 20 kids that get sick in the world, let's see how many actually die. Wow. Not much of a chance of that, actually. It's a pretty small percentage. Let's let's ratchet. Let's look at that. Let's look at this. Did you consider if one child dies, is that's not acceptable, right? And they'd say, absolutely not. That's not acceptable. If we thought that a child would die, we wouldn't do this. We said, wait a minute, we just had a statistic in front of us that said there's a chance of one out of every thousand. Right. And thinking of all the children going to school as a group, let's look at that number. That means that there's 30,000 children across this country, blah, blah, blah. So might one of our 20 be that? And the answer is we don't know, but it might be. So you're willing to take that risk that a child may die. This is true. Right. Don't, this isn't. This is factual. This wasn't a decision you had to make so much as a statistical algorithm that you either and to force them into, into saying that yes, all the schools in the country should go back to school, even if two kids die or whatever. Yeah, that would be a, a hell of, of a math play. Personally, I'm not or, worried about my kids or, as much as their family members. Kids being uh, because th- that percentage is way higher. There was a story today where a 28-year-old elementary school teacher in South Carolina died from COVID after three days after her diagnosis, like that she tested positive. And she'd been a teacher for five or six years. And this was after they went back to school? Oh, yeah. Because they went back to school, I would say. Whoa. How old? 29? 28. Here comes the dozer again. He just drove by. Wow. Yeah, they're putting... uh, they put all the new drains in. They put a new copper piping from the street into our home. They put in a new gas line. They put in a new sewer line. And then they put in a new main line from the water source right up the center of the street. And now they are taking all of the pavement that they ripped up, and they're putting dirt in it, covering up all the ditches they dug. And they've got a huge roller that goes over the top of it, and they're measuring it so that it's exactly flat as can be, three inches from the remaining a surface of road where there's one lane near me, so there's a there's a drop off of about a foot, a half a foot. That is where they're going to pay uh, throw asphalt, and that asphalt is going to be two inches lower 
than my road out here in front of my house. Then they're going to come in with a machine that's got a roller on it, and the roller's like bladed, and that bladed is going roller. to scrape off the top three inches of the existing road so it's exactly level with the asphalt that they're getting ready to lay now. <laughs> and with that all squared up and all dug up and level with the asphalt that they just poured, then they're going to lay in a new asphalt road on top of it. Cool. And it's going to be brand new. They, they told you all this? New curbs. I'm, I'm watching it happen as we speak. Yeah. But you know the future well, because you talked to them. I know the future. Uh, I know it's the future. Of just, I talk to the workmen all the time. Because you came back I go out there from with my there. coffee when they're having their coffee and say, hey, what's up? Yeah. Hey, I don't, man. What you doing? Right? What you doing? What's the next step? We got two more drains to put in, two more hydrants, and then we're going to start letting things out and getting ready. So the winter's coming. Hold Johnstone. on. If you had a thing that you wanted to destroy... Like maybe you had a laptop or something that you didn't want anyone to ever read the data on. You could put that under that under that crunchy roller, and yeah. it would just do a, way do a do job. That, the way to do that is it's where they haven't rolled yet, where the dirt is a little soft. Right. Is to just dig a little indention in there about right. four inches deep for your computer. Right. And then cover it up so you can't see it. Mark it with a little speck of red paint. A little speck of I use a hot pink spray paint to mark my corners for my buildings and all the work that I do. You hot put, pink. You put hot paint a, everywhere. There's this tool that you hook the can of paint to the bottom of it, and it has a wand that has a trigger on it, so you don't have to bend over to spray the spray the the line, the paint line, or the paint mark on the pavement. It's like a gun. And then there's another one, and this one somebody left here for the city, and I just took it. I put it out there for a couple days, see if they would take it. They didn't take it, so I have it. It's that same trigger mechanism in a wand. But it's at the end of a wheel. At the end of it is a wheel. Uh, and on the wheel is a counter. On nice. the wheel is a counter. And right all the way down to the bottom of the wheel is where the trigger can is because yep. it's going to spray your line. But that counter allows you to, in one tool, to go from point A to point B, which is 90 feet this way and 16 feet that way. Right. You take the wheel. It shows you 90 feet. Squirt your can. Do the next 90 feet. Now, how often do you think I'll need to use that? Let me tell you, I use one of those about every week, really, to mark my <laughs> to territory in my house of where the children are not allowed to pass. Uh, Don't cross this line. I say, this is daddy's area. Stay over there. Yeah. Or when they're bad, well, I like I paint them into a corner, and I say, you have to stay in the corner. But yeah. So the it, using pink lines would help subdue them, the research shows. That's why Sheriff Joe uh, Aro, what's his name? Arapo. From Arizona yeah. made his uh, inmates wear pink underwear because there was one piece of science somewhere that claimed that it had a calming effect and whatever. Huh. I can't imagine. So, Dennis, I asked you earlier if what gender reveal parties are, and you were dubious and curious. I wasn't dubious. I certainly was curious. I'm, I'm certainly in the dark, so to speak. So this is a new phenomenon I guess maybe within the last 10 years, maybe less, where couples that are having a baby find out <laughs> whether it's a boy or a girl, or like only one of them finds out, and then they don't tell anyone if it's a boy or a girl, and then they invite all their friends over for the gender reveal party to see if it's a boy or a girl, because this is super important. And they they do 
increasingly outlandish things at the like at the beginning of this trend they would i don't know maybe fill a closet of your house full of balloons that were pink or balloons that were blue and then everyone would get together and they'd be like oh let's see what it is and they would open it up and the balloons would fly out and they'd be like oh it's a girl or it's a boy and then it's got it got increasingly crazy where they would do things like they would fill some sort of a balloon with blue or pink powder or something. And maybe they would like out in the backyard, they would have the balloon suspended somewhere and then someone would shoot it with a BB gun or something and it would explode into that color. And they would be like, oh, this is, now we know. It's such a stupid, as soon as we knew the gender of our kids, we told everyone that we knew because why fucking wouldn't you? But no, we right. like the suspense. We like the drama and of this. Any, any, excuse, any excuse to party. And Is so, that on the upswing during COVID? No. Or it's been going on 10 years, you said that. Yeah. What you don't know about the news is that one of these gender reveal parties that involved pyrotechnics with you know, pink fireworks or blue fireworks or whatever started one of the bigger wildfires out in California. Oh. And oh one of these wildfires that has destroyed a couple hundred homes and thousands, millions and millions oh, of oh, money yes. in property, oh all of God. all because someone wanted to have this super stupid party where we gave you a a Boolean value, a one or a zero, basically. They shot off fireworks and it caught the forest on fire? Something like that. I don't know the, the exact details of this particular party, but that's what the news is going around is that, that it was a gender reveal party that started at least one of the one of the fires there's a bunch of fires going on out west and just you couldn't come up with a thing that was dumber than that aside from some doofuses actually intentionally setting a tree on fire or something but this was and this is such a this is such a liberal soccer mom phenomenon like maybe the maybe the conservatives do this but this is definitely a thing within the the political left where they like to have this so people died yeah people died in this there are there are some deaths from the fires i don't know which ones are attributable to this particular thing this one in particular but it's well how awful for them so imagine that child growing up (laughs) you know what are they going to call him hey mom i thought my name was john why why do they call me sparky that's a long story, son. We have to wait till you're older, and we'll tell you. Yeah, you can, you can go really dark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a thing in the news that is going on. And some of my little girl, a little girl says, "Mommy, why did you name me Embers? Because you glow." Yeah. Why yeah. did you name my horse Flicker? Flicker? I made a movie about that. I love that movie, Flicker. A horse about a, a horse it? about a movie named Flicker. Speaking of entertainment, I want you to know I'm now um, moving ahead in my third season of Homeland, and I'm thrilled that Damien Lewis's character has continued to evolve and is still integral to it. And the complexity of it is just so fascinating. And the fact that she has some mental health issues is she's bipolar. And when she's convinced, of course, when she takes her medication that she's not as sharp as she would be to be able to catch the bad guys. And there's Uh been some experience of that. So she can't help but not take her meds. What a a great conflict. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And she's also promiscuous, which is not unrelated, I would imagine, to her bipolar. I would not uh, imagine. Yes. uh, Prognosis. Diagnosis anyway. But lithium's a bitch. 
lithium's a bitch, man. I mean, that shit knocks you out. What's uh, interesting about lithium is it's the only medication that is an element in a periodic table. All other medication is a compound of some molecules, but lithium is itself its own atom. And I think we still don't really understand the process in which, obviously, I don't... Where is it found? Where's lithium found? It's a metal. I don't know. It's found around. But we don't really understand how it interacts with the brain in the way that it does so successfully to control bipolar. Where's lithium found? Where is lithium? Lithium's found in Lithuania. Lithuania? No. Central form. Lithium metal is isolated electrolytically from a mixture of lithium chloride and potassium chloride. The nucleus of lithium atom verges on instability, since two stable lithium isotopes found in nature have among the lowest binding energies per... Yeah. So... (laughs) Wait, what's that? We got to the end of that sentence. You want a ticket to Lithuania? (laughs) Isn't that where... Isn't that Lithuania where... Oh, shit, the character on Taxi... Yeah. Oh, uh, what's... uh, Come on, come on. Andy... Jim Carrey plays Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Where his character in Taxi came from was Lithuania. I'll tell you what, that... I saw a good part of that movie, again, not too long ago, and it was so impressive. You're talking uh, about the Jim Carrey uh, man that walked on the, the moon Jim or whatever? Carrey, but yeah, yeah. What's it called? Moon. Uh, man on the moon. Man on the moon. And, and I've, I've got to ask, it's been some time since I've asked, but you haven't yet no. seen Moonstruck. You, this is this has got to be your homework. I think We've for episode 100. I think for episode 100. Nicholas Cage. I think for episode Cher 100, I watched. Cage. It's a good 75th anniversary. Our first 75th anniversary. Yeah. but you got a lot going. I know. you got a lot. But anyway... Homeland, uh, season three. And so this funny thing happened on Showtime. When I used to move my cursor and, and click all series, it would have 30 or 40 of them, and now it's only showing 15. Ooh. And in order to find a... Yeah. And it was like, why are you restricting this? And so I went to my library and recently reviewed, recently seen movies, found Homeland, and then went from there. But I didn't like the change. I don't like change. I want to double click. Yeah. Changes. Yeah, UI changes are, are terrible. Everyone hates them. So, yeah, that's a good that's a good series. Uh, I think they're still making them. I think they're like up to season eight now. I stopped around season five or six, I think. Oh yeah. But it's it does get pretty good. But there's only so much espionage writing you can do to continue a story, where you don't end up with this problem of Oh, the good guy has caught the caught this one bad guy, and the bad guy says, and and they think this is the boss of everything, and the bad guy says, "Haha, I'll never tell you who my real boss is," and then they like uh, crunch on a cyanide tablet or yeah. something, and yeah. it's this perpetual treadmill of conspiracy that I get tired of, but I think it also it's p- like part of that show writing influences how so many people are willing to believe in QAnon and shit like that of, oh, clearly the people that's, that appear to be in power aren't really the ones that are holding the strings uh, because I've watched because, I, because I've watched X-Files and I've watched Burn Notice and I've watched all these other CIA well, TV I don't shows. Well, Homeland goes, Homeland gets into that category, do you? Not yet on season three. <laughs> I think what you've described is the repetitious nature of the, of the, the narrative and the ever-present pathology that just continues and continues is, in fact, true about why the series would be so fucking just Jesus already. Right. But 
it's also true to life, which is why at this point we say when we think about those things, no, I don't know, what are you going to do? It just goes on and on. It isn't any different now than it was when we were kids. Yeah, that but, whole Middle East war zone, you know, okay, okay, so there's all against the world and. Okay, there's one point of view where, yes, if you kill whoever the current leader of the uprising is, for sure another person will come up to take their place. Yes. But what I'm complaining about is in all of these TV shows, 24 was really bad about this, where, because in 24 they have 24 episodes to fill, where the guy that you think is the super bad guy at on episode four he says, oh, like, you'll, like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a, a lackey for this other big, we have this idea that there's this big structure that is controlling everything. And I think the real world is not so much like that. I think if you do it's more chaotic, if it's more chaotic. And if you do decapitate an organization, yeah. uh, someone else will rise up to, to take there that place. Some, but like the one. leader that you kill is not just one in a series of, of a deeper structure that there's actually really one bad guy out there that is in controlling everything, which I think is what the TV shows teach us, which is why I think people believe that oh yeah mitch mcconnell looks like he's in control but it's there's really seven levels of puppet, puppet master behind him of well there's he was seen in a popular night spot actually ordering a cooked child which they had to explain it wasn't on the menu so this QAnon thing is true with him he actually ordered a cooked i think he specified a four-year-old I'm not sure uh, I, but, see, I prefer my four-year-olds medium and, rare honestly and the thing is this is that in order for him to put that order in, which is why it's strange that he was caught doing it, right. that he had to first order as an appetizer a pizza. Right. And then when he got the pizza, he cut it in a certain kind of angle and he put it together almost like hieroglyphics on his plate, on the big pizza plate. That's that how you order the, the pizza on. And that's how, yes. Right. And to the, to the people who don't know, but there are people who know. Right. There are people who know, and they're the ones who told me. And they speak really cryptically, and, uh, too, which I think is smart. Oh, God. Because you can't just come right out and yes. say it. You have to be like, the night before dawn is 7.20. And that's the people that know what I'm talking about clearly know what I just said. But the rest of people are just... <laughs> Wait, the night before dawn is at 7.20? <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk that through a little bit. The night before dawn is at 7.20. I have to confess, I'm one of the people... That doesn't know what that means, but I don't. The night before the dawn is at seven twenty. Is that what time it is there? No, that's not what time it is there. Why are you saying that? It's code, man. It means that we need Trump for twelve more years, and then we can finally get to Judgment Day, where we can all reveal our genders in an explosion. Oh, Lithuania. How I long for your green streets. Oh, Lithuania, how I long for your broad streets. When I go there in the morning, I'll fly a bumpy flight, I know. But I'll land in Lithuania. It's a place that I've grown to love. That's where I get my lithium. It's the wonderfulest drug. Makes me feel like I'm nothing. Like a big old fucking slug. Will take me back to Lithuania. 
I don't want to stay here no more. I got to get back to Lithuania. That is all I'm living for. Amen. 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 God bless you, Lithuania. I'm out, man. See you next week, bro. I'm out. Stay safe. That does it for episode number 75. You can find the show notes with links to things that we discussed and photos of Dennis's Lean to Shed project that he's working on at happyhour.fm slash 075. You can help us build this podcast by going to patreon.com slash happyhour and give us a couple bucks. And as always, stay safe out there, be good, and we'll see you next week.